Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm going to do something a little different and we're going to be talking to Joe Brady, who is a firefighter from Yorkshire. Anybody who knows this show and is a regular listener will know that I like to step outside of my comfort zone of illustration, art and design and chat to people who can tell us something a little different about creativity and give us a different experience that we can all learn from. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Condition Podcast. My name is Ben Talon, your host. I hope you're doing well. How are things? Still pretty toasty out there. Oh, I'm still struggling. I don't know about you guys, but my motivation is waning, lacking, to say the least. <laughs> the task list is um, its all about minimums at the moment. Let's just put it that way. It's a nice way to put it. But I do have a rather invigorating show lined up for you today. But before we get into that, I would be remiss to thank the wonderful sponsor, Illustration X. They've been the founding sponsor for this show since the very beginning. You can check them out over at illustrationx.com and follow their social channels at We Are Illustration X. Um, They're a great bunch of guys. I recommend the news section. You can check that out over at illustrationx.com forward slash news. And they keep you up to date with the very latest projects coming out of the agency. So they do represent animators illustrators, lettering specialists, live illustrators, fashion illustrators, uh, portrait artists, it goes on, it goes on, Um, real broad range of people on the books. And there's some great projects on there at the moment, including Willie Ryan's Running Up That Hill, which is great. It's um, it's it's from the iconic scene in Stranger Things, and it's for the front cover of Young Punk's Really, really, really great stuff. There's another front cover, um, and it's the Financial Times Weekend magazine, and it's about um, the history of miracle cures for obesity. Interesting, interesting topic, and it's done by Studio Hosego. Um, there's other fascinating stuff on there. There's uh, I could go on. Butcher Billy's uh, Stranger Things posters as well. Go and check them out. They're really awesome, and um, they were just a fantastic series put together for season four. So go and check them out. Thank you, Illustration X. Um, what have you been up to? It's still pretty quiet on the social. I don't know if it's because I've been away for a little while. Had a couple of little nudges saying people like the show. How did you find the last episode with Oliver Duffy Lee? We were talking marketing, and there was some really good advice on there for independent artists, for you freelancers, for small and big agencies. Some real fundamental truths in terms of winning new work, and I do recommend that episode. Go back and check it out now uh, in the archives, whether you listen on Spotify or over on the host channel, soundcloud.com forward slash creative condition. Um, the pod's out there, go and check it out, but I'm excited about this this run of guests that I've got lined up. So like I mentioned, coming up today, Joe Brady. So Joe, I knew Joe from primary school, and we were never mates, mates, but um, he was a year above me at school, and we've got mutual friends. So we've always kind of been in the same circles, on and off. And Joe is now into his 19th year as a firefighter. And I was researching a lot of different professions while writing the book that I'm currently putting together, which is the same title as this show, The Creative Condition. And as I've mentioned before, it's a real um, plummet into the nuts and bolts of creativity, of creative psychology, of the behaviour and nature of what I consider to be one of humanity's greatest assets. And... The book opens very much with the idea that one of the biggest mistakes people make when they think they're not creative is to attach creativity to the arts. Now, of course, that's not to say that the arts is not very much led by creativity, but creativity is something we all are as humans. And sadly, whether it's society, education, the people around us, too many of us come to believe really quickly that, for example, because we cannot draw we're not good drawers or painters or we can't play a guitar that we're not creative and I think it's a, a crying shame because a lot of people then 
undervalue or step away from things that they do with passion, things that they do really well, and things that might represent a fascinating, great career for them. Because of those reasons, because they don't think they are creative, and we, you know, we like to have a creative department, or a, you know, we like to section it and bracket it and put it away as something, perhaps with a less respect in regard it being a form of education than, say, maths or science, when actually those fields can be just as creative. They're just different languages. And um, and the more, I, the more time I spend in this industry, the more I come to believe that and feel that and, and witness it in all these people, which was, which was the driving force behind me wanting to write The Creative Condition because I wanted to write this monster of a book that can become a, a resource for people at all ranges, whether it's just someone who's interested in creativity, somebody who thinks they're not and wants to know a little bit more about it, somebody who is and practices it every day and perhaps gets a new idea from this or considers their creativity in a different way. There are many, many reasons that you might want to read this book and I am absolutely loving writing it. But while I was doing that, I was thinking of professions that are not particularly considered creative, but I believe very much are that you could not do without being creative in the sense that you have to generate ideas. Ideas that are the defining asset between that job. I don't know, I'm, I'm running out of words, but Joe's story, so Joe talks about some of the situations that he's had to face as a firefighter and some of the things that different departments of the fire service have to, to work with at a location when they really don't know what kind of disaster or, or mishap or incident that they're going to be facing. And that responsive ideas generation and collaboration and teamwork, they're all major, major parts of creativity. And I was just astounded during this this chat as to just how creative his job is. I didn't think, um, I mean, I, I knew it was going to be a creative role, otherwise I wouldn't have committed to talking to a firefighter. I was blown away by some of the stories, so you'll see towards the end of the show it's talking about line and rescue, and wow. I mean, some of the situations they have to face with little resources and having to think on their feet. If that's not creativity, then I don't know what is. But it's over to you. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this because I've got other kind of people that I've been talking to in the book. So, you know, like a domestic... Um, I don't know what the description is. A friend of mine, Neil, Neil's workshop, he's a guy who built a studio for me in my garden recently, which is where I'm recording from right now. And just seeing him think, again, just seeing it, he called it practical, but we had a big conversation about this. I went and had a beer and we had a big chat. And by the end of it, I think it was hard to hide from the fact that there was certainly an element of creativity in what he does. And I think that's the thing. It's an element. You know, I think people look at the arts and think that it's entirely governed by, whereas actually there are, there are many days when we're just doing labour, where we're just... The, you know, the cogs are turning and we're just doing process like anybody else who does a job where there's an aspect of, I know what I'm doing, I get from here to B and I go on. There's a lot of that in the arts as well. I think that, again, it's that misperception that it's always rosy and colourful and exciting when it's really not a lot of the time. Like anybody else, we have to mark it and we have to scan and we have to send files. And, you know, it's there's only a small percentage, truth be told, that's truly creative. And I think you could say that about a lot of roles. But certainly as a firefighter, I hope you'll agree with me uh, when you've heard Joe's conversation that, that there are some absolute challenges and um, the need for innovation and fast thinking and everything else. Um, I warn you in advance, there's a slightly grisly story. So if you've got a weak stomach and you get to the bit where he mentions Huddersfield um, Infirmary, <laughs> you might want to skip about two minutes. For anyone else, you might find it hilarious or outrageous. Um, I'll leave that one over to you. But it's a good one. Uh, thank you again to Illustration X. Get your thoughts over on the social, either at Ben Talon Pod or at Ben Talon. would love to hear them. Send me an email if you want to be on the show. If there's somebody you want to hear on the show, I'm always open to approaches just like that. But without further ado, um, I'm going to jump into the chat with Joe Brady, who is a firefighter up in Keithley, West Yorkshire. Enjoy. Writing this new book, and I'm trying to cover a few bases in terms of just different angles on creativity and, you know, just try to show it working in a broader scope. Yeah. And um, Yeah, you sprung to mind. I just thought, we were after all the stuff with, uh, with a heat wave. 
Yeah. You know, and I thought, fuck, I thought, it just occurred to me, I thought, I bet there's a lot, I mean, we'll get into that, but I bet there's a lot of stuff that people just don't think about that you guys have to deal with. Yeah. You know, thinking on your feet and problem solving and all that stuff. So I just thought, I thought yeah, well, that'll, that'll be a really interesting chat, I thought, so. Yeah, mate. They're happy for people to give an insight into a job. Um, especially when we recruit, we're recruiting now as well. So obviously with last, well, over the last 10 years, austerity and things, um, public sector have been at hard, haven't they? And so recruiting from really having enough firefighters um, and same with policing and, and, and NHS and stuff. We're just really, really struggling at the minute. So recruitment stopped for a long time and then it's just started up again. But where we probably require, require, require <laughs> um, maybe 40 to 50 on a course, you're looking at like 12 to 20. Really? So it's just, it's just really, it's really stretched um, at the minute. But it's just a case of just like, you know, making do really as a, uh, as best we can. Right. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. It's, like you say, sadly, it's the way of things in that, you know. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is, yeah. <laughs> well, well um, but what about your background then? Because I never... I mean, obviously, we were at school and stuff, but we were yeah. you know, we were doing different things. So I... Yeah. Is... Was it something you always liked the idea of, or is it something you kind of stumbled into when being in the first place? It, it was strange, really. So I... I I left school and I, I didn't know what I was going to do with me then. Um, and I saw, got a job. I worked in our price. Do you remember our price? Really? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I worked in there. That was a great job. I love that job. That, that really was a good job. Uh, but obviously, it, were, it, it wasn't like sustainable to be like a, a full time job going, you know, when you leave school. And uh, I got a job with my mum's cousin. He was a plasterer. And uh, so I got a job like starting an apprentice, apprenticeship with him. So like labouring on him. And it was my dad, really. Well, like, uh, he says, oh, fire service are recruiting. And he knew a bloke who he played golf with, who, who, who were a firefighter, who I ended up getting to know quite well. He's retired now, but he worked at Shipley. Uh, well, I'm working at Keith, so I got to know him quite well. But it was my dad, it, big thing for him, it was like a uh, pension. Go somewhere where you're going to get a pension. And I just sort of thought, yeah, it never really... Uh, sprung in my mind to do it but then I applied um, a couple of times really it used to be in newspaper so it used to be back at newspaper you know in job section yeah. and you'd apply and it used to be like look at draw really whether you got picked out to go to testing and stuff anyway this probably the third time I, I, I applied I got sent to testing and it was sort of basic maths and English at time and then you pass that and then you move to physical like bleep test and then height test, claustrophobia tests and things. And if you pass that, you got through to your interview. And it yeah, it just sort of happened pretty pretty quickly, really. Like mm-hmm. from not really thinking about it to since my dad mentioning it, like thinking, oh yeah, that's what I really want to do. Like have a career and, and do that. Yeah. And that was get this, that what that was 19 years ago. Wow. It still baffles <laughs> me now thinking that I've been in employment longer than our in education. Yeah. It's mental. Like, I feel like, you know, school's such a long time ago now. It's mental. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's something about when you start hitting them kind of milestones, when you've got that longer stretch of something else and you go, Fuck. yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I can't believe it. Yeah. So did you click with it? Did you, did you click with it early on? Yeah, I did. I, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, it, it Like heights, confined spaces, all that sort of stuff never never bothered me. Mm. So I found the physical side of it pretty easy. And the so like the when I had to do revision for like you know that you used to get so it were like it was a 13 week course up at Birkenshaw and it were residential so you stayed there and every so often you'd have tests and like the written tests and memorizing things um didn't come as easier to me as the physical stuff but it'd be like they'd say right your pass mark is 60 percent so i'd revise for 65 percent you know what i mean so that like just focus on certain stuff make sure you get the pass grade you don't yeah. mind if you come top of class just make sure you pass and i used to like i remember there's like um i think called the primer that they have in back of fire engines and it, it circulates your water and stuff. And there were uh, the, the water ring 
reciprocate and an uh, exhaust gas ejector, which means no, but I remember putting that into a rap song in my head to name, so like name the three types of primers. I go, water, ring, reciprocate in, exhaust gas ejector, <laughs> you know, just stuff like that, just, just so I could remember stuff in my head. Um, that's, yeah. fan- that's fantastic, you know, and it's really interesting because, you know, as, as a dad of two and a half year olds now, watching them pick up the the way they tap into stuff and the way they learn yeah. things it is it's through that enjoyment and i always think there's just so much symmetry there between what's missing in edu- informal education yeah and what could just you know because people i don't know how to put it look at intelligence is it comes in many different forms but school m- makes this big mistake exactly what you said there about revision i'm exactly in the same shoes i always was yeah. can't retain you know i can't retain no. where something makes me laugh I've got, a yeah. near, I've got a near photographic memory. I can remember like viz letters from 15 years ago that maybe, yeah. or something yeah. said on a night out. But yeah. I can't remember what I've been asked to get down Tesco 10 minutes ago. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? And I think there's something to be said about that. And it is, you, people have to find ways to learn that works for them. And I think yeah. that's, that's a brilliant example. Yeah, 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 that's it. You, like you say, make it work for you, the best way for you to absorb the knowledge. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 like you said, I, I can read some of that. And it goes in, and I can forget it twenty seconds later. So I've yeah. got to, uh, yeah, they've got, I've got to have a way of making it stick in my head, and that's by putting it into a story or like a really crappy little rap or something like that. You know, <laughs> but it worked. Um, so how has it? How has things changed now? Then has it evolved much in terms of a recruitment process? Is it? Is it still uh, that balance between physical and and kind of remembering? It's completely changed now, mate. So. The last sort of five year, um, they've changed the way they're recruiting. So it's like they're going more the educational route. So the test now, which I've actually had a well, we sat in me and my mate sat in on one with like a mock test, and I walked out because it didn't even make sense. It's like the maths and English that I just couldn't can't even get my head around. And it's like the, the, the recruiting, they're looking at recruiting different sorts of people these days. I think they look to recruiting more people who are going to go on and be, be management, I think, because it's, um, yeah, the, the, the early stage, the, the maths and English now are just completely different to when I when I started. The physical side is probably still the same, mm-hmm. um, but you're getting a different sort of recruit from when I would have recruit. It's, you know, the, a lot of them are from, a lot of them have been to university, yeah. which wasn't really a thing when I started. Um, yeah, a lot of, you know, seem to be really, really intelligent and I, so to it, it's, you know, you don't join fire service for money and a lot of them could probably be going on and doing a little bit more yeah. money. But like they say, you're not going to get as varied, varied a job, really. Yeah. And I think that's what that's what attracts people to it. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's really interesting. And I think, um, again, it's that perception of intelligence, isn't it? And, and I think this is why I wanted to chat to you, because I think it's... Um, you know, it's a big mistake when people think of um, anything other than that kind of academic intelligence as yeah. not being as worthy. It's mad. Society just wouldn't work if that, no. was, if that was true. You know, yeah. there, there wouldn't be the arts. There wouldn't be, you know, all, all kinds of other stuff were, were it not for, you know, who's going to fix stuff? Who's going to make things? Who's going to... Oh, exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, rescue people and think on their feet, you know. And I yeah. Think did you ever did you ever perceive it in that way? Like, you know, when you got into it, was there ever any kind of tendency to think that it was in any way less than what, I don't know, mates or or something else that you might have considered? Um not really, no. I was always quite proud when I when, when I got into into it. Um just for the, the like the, the main factor that I'd try three times and it were it were a look of the draw if your applicant if your name got picked out, you know, yeah. the there's there, there was then, and there still is now. A lot of people apply for the job. It still, it still appeals to a lot of people. So to get selected, and to actually get in and pass your probation and stuff, it's you know, it's quite a, a proud thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so amongst my friends and stuff, who you know, some of them have gone on to be lawyers. Um, majority of my friends are, are sort of trades tradesmen, really, which. In fire service, you get a lot of firefighters who are ex-tradesmen, mm. uh, which comes in really handy. You know, an electrician or a plumber and stuff at, at some jobs, it is really, really handy. In fire service, knowing about electrics is a massive thing in fire service. So if you if you can get working with someone who was an electrician, 
you know, which one of my one of my mates who I work is an electrician, he's great to have on your team. Because hmm. um, you sort of learn on the job, but I'm never going to be an electrician. So to have someone with that knowledge is, is really, really helpful. In terms of um, in sort of what in terms of electrical fires or yeah, so in terms of uh, electrical fires or a big a big thing is um, with house fires is cutting off the gas supply and the uh, the ele- electric supply. So you go in different houses are all different. So a terraced house, for example. Well, when I first started job, I didn't know where the most likely places for uh, you know shorts for electrical gas are going to be. You learn it on job, but it's, you learn so an electrician who I used to work with say, right, it's going to be down at cellar in an old terrace house. This is what you're looking for. Come and show you. Same with gas in new builds. I, you know, again, I'm probably not going to know where they're going to be. So it takes, oh, well, they're going to be here and they're going to be there. And it's just, but because the next time you go to a fire in that sort of property, you know, you know where you're going, where you're sort of aiming for to shut the electric off and the, and the gas off. So it's yeah. always nice to work with tradespeople. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's see, again. This is why it's fascinating for someone like me who's never set foot in that world, is to is to hear that kind of you know the collaboration that's that's going to be required yeah. and all that cross pollination of skills and experience and you know and yeah that, yeah it's, it's it's really um a lot not so much now but again when I joined a lot of people I joined are ex services. So they'll do the five years in forces, and then you know they'll, they'll come out into into fire service. You get, you know you got used to get a lot of that um, back when I first started. And if they're a tradesman as well, they might do your job at a, a bit of discount, which is you know you need a building doing it all. <laughs> yeah, many benefits. Yeah. It's always on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it was that thing that i sent you from ken robinson's book and i've been reading that as part of the research yeah. and really enjoying it and uh, when i came across that story i thought it was perfect just about the you know the fireman who his teacher had said look you're capable of more and you know you could do better and yeah. all this. and then he ended up saving his life down the road I think yeah. my wife in a car accident i think there's a, a lovely lesson in that you know yeah there is definitely yeah money thing how things work so so in terms of your current role then just give us a snapshot of kind of i I mean i'm sure it takes in so much that you can't give us a full picture but you know what's your current position and and what's an average week look like yeah so uh i'm a firefighter um you've got firefighter then crew manager which is the next step up which used to be a leading firefighter when i started so they changed all the the names of the roles Hmm. um and then what would have been You've got the watch manager now. So you've got, our shift works is you've got firefighters, a crew manager and a watch manager. Now, it used to be your crew and your, your crew manager would sit in the back with firefighters when your watch manager were on duty. But now they've changed the, the structure of it all. So again, it's a, it's a, a cost-saving way of doing it, but this is how they do it in states. You've got a watch manager who now drives a car or like it's like a pickup, and then your crew manager is in charge of the fire engine, and then your four firefighters, three in the back, one driving. If you look at, um, at the minute we are short on people, and that's to do with COVID as well. Uh, so there's a backlog of people who are claiming the leave back from when they had COVID. So we should really dra- uh, should ride with three firefighters in the back, and one driving. But at the minute we're dry, riding with two in the back, and one is going to other stations just to fill their void. Really, um, your crew manager is in charge of the fire engine. So if you get an incident, he's going to be in charge of that crew. The watch manager will come in his car. He'll take charge of the whole incident, depending how big it is. Um, bigger incidents, more officers come there to charge, and then your firefighters in the back you will be your BA wearers. So for a house fire, BA wearers, which is breathing apparatus, which is basically the cylinder on your back and the mask that you've probably seen firefighters wear. And that's just obviously, so you can go into a oxygen deficient atmosphere. Um, and then your driver who's driving you there, but also he's in charge of getting you water um, if you need it and finding water supplies. Um, and yeah, so a day, we do two day shifts, two night shifts. I start at eight in the morning, finish at seven at night on the day shifts. 
and then the night shift is seven at night to late in the morning. And as rules at the minute is firefighting, water rescue, line rescue, um, car crashes, which we call RTCs, which stands for road traffic collision. Uh, used to be called RTAs. I don't know if you remember, but that were road traffic accident, but they changed it because you can never, you can't actually say if it was an accident or not. So they changed it to collision. Okay. Um, animal rescues, um, assisting the ambulance. We assist the ambulance quite a lot now with gaining access into um, houses, flats, and especially after lockdown. Notice that that's a big thing at the minute. So, like mental health um, were a big thing during lockdown, weren't it? And we seem to be getting a lot of calls from the ambulance service to assist them to get in, to gain entry to someone's house. And it, a lot of the time, it, it's to do with mental health. This person has said they're going to do this, or so yeah. So we help them a lot. Um, what else to do? No, yeah. So that that's you know. A broad spectrum of things. I mean, yeah, that's you know, that's a lot. I mean, animals. Yeah. No, I never. I don't. I can only speak for myself, but I'm guessing a lot of people don't consider that as you know something that you'd imagine a firefighter to do. No. So, so one, so one of my first. So, I did my probation over in Elland, which the station shut down now. One of my first jobs I remember it were um, a horse had got stuck in a pylon, in in the wiring of the pylon, and it and it's it's mate charging around this field um, oh, and it, it said right me being probationer right you, you're going to have to go in there I went, I'm, there's absolutely no chance I'm going in. absolutely no chance I'm going in there no you, you're going to go in they were winding me up as it happens I mean out with power thinking oh my god I, there's no way I'm going to run that, run that horse running around <laughs> but they were just waiting for vet vet come and like tranquilized horse and uh but yeah, I think I'll go. But we have, I've had it before. Um, up uh, as you're going past town over, over that way on your way over to, to Sutton. Yeah. Were, we got we got called out to like a bit of a grass fire. And my mate, me and my mate were going with his beaters and we're beating it. And there's some horses in the field. Well, one of these horses charges at us. And wall must have been probably a five foot wall. And I've leapt it. I've just dived over it with this horse chasing me. Honestly, I was like, my mate were laughing his head off and I was just, just a horse chasing me. But farmer come around and goes, you're right, lads? I'm going, bloody hell, your horse has nearly had me. So it would have done as well. It's a right nasty bastard, that one. He says, it would have had you as well. And uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I mean, other jobs I've been to is, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what can we say. Is it, is it for children? I mean, it's not, it's no, not no, that it, bad. It, no, it, no. Anything goes, mate. Anything goes, it's fine. No, so, so we got I got called out to Uddersfield Royal Infirmary and we gets there and a guy is in hospital bed and he's got a key ring on his knob. <laughs> and he, right. And his, his knob has swollen up like this. It's absolutely huge. So <laughs> nurses have said, we've tried, we, we can't get it off. I said, well, how's it even happened? And he says, oh, well, what's happened is I've fallen asleep and my wife, she's been swinging this key ring round on her finger and it's just landed, just purely <laughs> by chance. And we're all thinking, no, mate, no, no, you've been shagging a key ring and it's got stuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that few, yeah, that's, uh, and and like cock rings and stuff like that, you know. And the, wow. Yeah, yeah, just big I mean, swollen up and just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, not, that, that's not in your training, is it? I'm going to put no. <laughs> no, that 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 you know that's that's a case of like well with him we just got all we really could do we got a junior axor and 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 like uh, them sticks that they carry in hospitals you know to push down on your tongue and it was a bit case of putting that underneath it and just 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 that, that's all we really had we didn't have what else to do we're like it's gonna work a bit we're like yeah just get it off <laughs> wow I mean yeah jeez yeah yeah. That kind of um, that puts a twist on the classic image of a you know fire brave firefighter in a big blaze. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, joking aside, I mean that range that you spelled out there. You know, you you can't train for that, can you? So, I mean, it's creative. That's I mean, they're, they're, you can't argue it, can you? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I should preface it by saying, you know, one of the big things that I like to establish is that artistic. And creativity are two very different things. 
yeah. the artistic is the classic image of a painter or whatever people like yeah. to hold up and go, I'm not that. But creativity yeah. is just a human trait. And I think in a job like yours, it's safe to say that if you can't be, you know, if you can't be innovative, whether it's in a comedy scenario like that or whether yeah. it's been really serious, yeah. and you're going to get found out pretty quick, would I be right in saying? Definitely. So you, you, you've got to have, with every job, you've got to have an A and a B plan. And your B plan's got to be the one that you come up with first because, so for example, you go to an RTC, uh, car into a car, and, and, and that's the information you get on your sheet when you turn out. It'll say RTC, two cars involved, two persons trapped. And you turn up there and you've got to have in your head already knowing the worst case scenario. So my plan B is if I get there and they're going down a little rapidly or I get there and they are not breathing and they need to come out quickly, my B plan is drag them out. Your A plan is when I get there, I want to... I want to maintain a, um, a good spine. So I don't want to damage the spine. I, I want to, if I can, get them out in, in slow time, nice and carefully. So you do as little damage as possible to that person. Sometimes you get there and you and your A and your B plan are, are compromised because, well, I, I can't I can't just drag them out is my B plan because the door's compromised. So I need, I need to look at another route to get in or I need to cut this off or it's just... It, it, it is a lot of, um, so when you get there, you, you try and build a picture in your head, but until you get there, you don't, you, you don't really know what you're going to need to do. Um, and you have added pressure of, you know, family members, if they're there screaming or which is understandable. Mm -hmm. And it's just a case of staying composed and just thinking, right, what can I do? as quickly and as safely as possible for the best outcome for this person. Um, and it's same with, with house fires, you know. So if there's someone in the house, it's, it's what, what's called person's report. So it'll come through to us, person's report, which means there's someone or there's a likelihood of someone being in this house. And then that's when it all kicks into gear, so that right focus, what I need to do. I need this, this, this equipment, and I need to... And, you, and you, you train for it all, like you do. But then sometimes you'll get in there and because you're training environment, you know you're safe. So you, it can be smoke and there can be real fires, but you know ultimately no can go wrong because you're in a safe environment. Yeah. In a house, um, it's different. There are things to look out for, backdrafts, flashovers, the signs and symptoms of a backdraft or a flashover, all things that are running through your head. Is it safe to go in? Well, yeah, it, it is safe to go in. You'll go in, you're proceeding, searching, you're feeling on walls, you're looking around, you know, trying to find the person. But the main thing is the fire. That needs to get under control because if I'm going upstairs looking for the person, the fire's down here in the kitchen, not putting water on that fire ain't going to do anyone. You're just making it making it worse. So as, as much as your instinct tells you to go find the person, it's sort of composing you saying, no, the fire needs dealing with, just knocking back a little bit, just enough so it's under control, so I can go up and I can search, I can look for people and some houses, the, the layouts of some houses are just, I mean, we, we, so just after this Christmas, uh, Boxing Day, day after Boxing Day, we're on duty, we got called out, uh, out to an house uh, along late, and that was person's reported and I'm in there and it's it's smoke, you can't see anything. And I'm searching around me and maybe air partner. We're searching around and I'm thinking, where are we? What, what, what's going on here? And when the smoke cleared finally and we went back in to have a look, I was basically walking around. It, it, it was just like a petition wall that they the, the put there themselves uh, to like section off the living room. But when you can't see it and you think, I'm wandering around in circles here. When you actually see it, you think, oh, my God, it's like it's tiny. And I've been wandering around, like thinking, where am I here? And when 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 the smoke clears, you think, I can't believe what it was that, that I thought of, you know. Yeah. I was just wandering around thinking, well, where is this? Where's the next room from here? 
you finally find it. And then when you actually see where you've been wandering around, you think, how have I got stuck in there for like 30 seconds? Yeah. It's weird because you, you get a picture in your mind of what, what you're walking around. And then when it clears and you get to go inside and look at it, it's like completely different. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, we, we, found, we found a person at that job and it, it I think what they tried to do is they'd obviously been cold and they'd put um, like a, a portable heater next to the bed and the bedding's caught fire. And then unfortunately for them, you know, they ended up dying, unfortunately. And by the time we'd got there, I think it would have passed a my walk and his dog noticed the, the house filled with smoke and the cold us. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it, it just, it just been cold and, he had loads of blankets on and then this portable heater, which is not advised, you know, portable heaters, you know, bedding hanging down and stuff. But that then, yeah, so I'm wondering around this place thinking, right, this this can't be right. This this layout's different. So then you think to send, right, what do I need to do now to get me out of this little, I thought it was a cubby hole, it was ridiculous. And I just, we were thinking, well, we can't be, we can't be stuck in here. We haven't moved anywhere, right? Well, we, what we need to do is we need to come round here, move round here, and then search rest of the house, and you finally get out of it. Well, yeah, there are some situations where you get into. You just think, and then when you, it's it's weird when you see it when it's clear when the smoke's cleared, and you know, you know, I've I've known people be searching round and they've got wrapped in a in a curtain, yeah. and, you know, pull the pull the curtain down, wrapped it round, and said, but at time you don't know. You thinking what? What's going on? Well, I mean, the only thing I can get near that with is, is you know, like if you go out to the toilet in the night and it's dark and you kind of lose your bearings a bit and then you put a light on and it, it all makes sense. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, when you look, there's no real danger there and there's no, so to add all that in, I mean, wow, you've got yeah. to have a clear, a steady head to, uh, yeah. to manage that. And I mean, you know, you, you hit on something there, which is what I want, something I wanted to chat about, which was like that kind of crisis psychology because it's twofold. I mean, you've got to manage your own emotions and yeah. your, um, you know, your instincts, yeah. fight or flight, and everything else. But then also, the God, I mean, then poor people who are who are collateral. Whether it's like you mentioned, family members as well. Yeah. Oh, I mean, God, there's a, that is a lot to deal with at once, and and yeah, not not just to be remain clear headed, but you've also got to be, you've also got to be innovative, imaginative. There's there's, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, it's. You know, the, the one thing you want is is the best outcome, which is obviously everyone to be okay. Mm. Um, but obviously, that's not always the case, and oh. uh, it's it's it. What they call it? Do they call it dark dark humor? Is it called that? You know, that's when you've you've had a bad experience at an incident, and first thing you do when you get back to station, you all start ribbing each other. Oh yeah, as like a, as like a, a coping mechanism and dealing with it like that, and that's just seems to be the easiest way for people to to deal with things like that. Or certainly, I've noticed in in my sector of work, that's that's a really big thing how people deal with things. Yeah, oh, very much yeah. so. I mean, it's it's always been my maybe even my my chief outlet. I think my ability to kind of you know maybe I don't know if it's where we're from. It's pretty pretty. You know, it's pretty prevalent in it. I mean, that's. It, it, it's yeah, chief way people deal with I mean, that stuff. I, I remember this one time. So we'd gone to an RTC, and um, I'm I'm doing CPR on this young lad. I mean, he, he was a young lad, uh, seventeen probably, and he was driver at one at cars, and you're doing CPR, and you, you sort of know you're saying that it's not going to be a good outcome, but you continue until because there's only. Um, we can't call anyone um, deceased. That's that's down to us. A doctor will come and they can say, right, we've done it long enough now. So we're all turned, we're taking it in turns, doing CPR. Um, me and another lad, you just rotate just because it gets tiring. And because it, it that's another, it's like, if someone said, when you're doing CPR, you'll have a paramedic say to you, are you okay doing it? And you'll just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'll do it as long as you can, but that's not the best for the patient. So alternate and get a fresh pair of hands doing it is, you know, that that's best for the patient. Anyway, so we're alternating, we're doing it. And doctor calls it and they're cleaning the, the cars up and, and the, the scenes, everything getting cleaned up. And we have an officer, a welfare check comes and sees us. Uh, 
And uh, he, he says to us, right, you know, I've just come to check you all, all right, and is everything okay? And one of the lads says, uh, actually, no, I've tried to get some leaving next week and uh, this new system you've got is not working and we're all going, yeah, actually, it's, it's a bag of shit, this new system we've got. And he's like, all oh, right, you know, just to, just sort of takes your mind off what, what you've just sort of gone through, really. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah new system <laughs> shit. Change system, it's crap. Can't get, can't get any days off. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, how's it been in terms of like the the recent stuff with the heat waves? And did you did you get it bad up your way? Yeah. So, luckily, the actual the, the two of the hottest days, um, I weren't working, but I know the shifts that were got absolutely hammered with it. So, Keith, where I work, we're actually um, a specialist wildfire station. So, we have a Land Rover with some equipment on it for more fires and, th- and things like that because of where we're situated as you know there's a lot of all underground mm-hmm. so there's us Tod- todmerdon and i think slawit is the other one where we have these land rovers from all and and yeah they got absolutely absolutely peppered with it just mm-hmm. out all day constantly all day all night all day all night i come back on duty and i working at bradford and that night we i think we got called out nine times just to like one, one of them, for example, where a guy decided it was a good idea to, to like burn some wood in back of his garden next to a load of trees that backed onto a school on one of the driest days at year. So straight away, embers off this and all trees are alight. And then, you know, it don't, don't take a lot when, when weather's like this. And that, that was another big thing. We had a big drive for a big drive, like on Ilkley Mall, people taking disposable barbecues and stuff. And, and not disposing of them properly and even like cigarettes you know flicking flicking the butts and it, it don't take much and when it's so dry it's just it, it's, it, it can you know yeah really 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 serious just how, how much it can affect yeah well that's it i mean i hear the reports especially when i was living in manchester you'd hear about it up out above oldham and all that yeah. same thing you'd always you know, it was barbecue and I'd, so i always sit there and think who's doing this like, know, like, yeah yeah I'm not the best for common sense, but come on. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the worst the worst one for me was um, when England played Germany at World Cup and we'd got all his work out way that morning. We'd done all his drills, all his practice. And it was like, right, what we'll do? We'll get everything out way so we can sit down and watch England v Germany at World Cup. What year was that when Lampard scored, but it, it, they never... I think, 20... I was there 2006. Yeah, I can't remember what year it was. Anyway, we sat down, got me brew, sat down, literally, referee blows his whistle, and we get turned out to, um, I think that might be Manchester, over Manchester where more fire, and we were there all day, and it was just like, <laughs> oh my God, timing would horrendous. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the thing with fire services, I think it's just a lot of people, um, I think we're easy it's just easy to get the fire service out, which is fine by me. You know, I, I do, I have been to cats, cats up trees, but ultimately if a cat gets hungry, it will come down at some point. And that's so, <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't worry about have a cat. The cat's stuck on roof. Well, it'll probably come down when it's hungry, but uh, you go out and the, the, the love pissing on your cats and all, because obviously they get a bit scared when you try to chase them around. And they just climb higher and higher and you're thinking, well, like, I'm getting a bit scared now, but there's not much of a tree left here for me to climb up here. <laughs> you know? That's incredible. I love that. The, yeah. myth, the myth is true. Yeah, <laughs> it is, mate. Yeah, it is. I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant insight. And uh, there definitely is, you know, what I thought it had to be, which is, you know, created, without doubt, a, a creative job, you know, in, in, in the, obviously in the, not, not the way people perceive creativity at large, but. Yeah, no, I hope it does kind of. I mean, I'd say one of the most creative aspects of the job, I would say, is the line rescue side of it. So, um, luckily for me, I work with a couple of decent climbers who, who do it in the spare time, and they're the incidents where you turn up and all of a sudden it's not, it's not as straightforward as you thought it was going to be. So it's right, okay, well. I need an anchor point. Well, what can we use as an anchor point? We can't get fire engine close enough to use it. Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can 
they call it a spider bailey where you can incorporate loads of like little shrubs and stuff and incorporate them all together to, to sort of reinforce the anchor point. There's all, there's all I mean, a lot of it, a, a lot of, because we've got two stages of line rescue. We've got specialist stations that, are, you know, they're really good at it. Whereas we're just like, we're, we're level one. Um, but because the level two, two stuff just goes up, it, we, we train with them sometimes and they'll set you a scenario and like scratch your head thinking, what, fucking, what am I going to do here? Yeah. And then they'll show and you think, yeah, wow. But they they really are, th- they'll turn up to an incident and that really is like, right. Because none of it, you know, that, it's never the same, you know, from, you know, someone stuck on a building to someone stuck on a, on a rock face or, mm. you know, and that's like, right. You, you're never gonna definitely have an anchor point, which is key to. So, what can we use? And yeah, that, watching them guys work, that's that's really impressive. Yeah, that's real. Um, that's real. I mean, God, yeah, that's it's about as creative as it gets because all as we discussed, all that pressure and all them factors, and then yeah, work with what you've got there and then, life or death. Yeah, I mean, that's as pressure as it gets. <laughs> but did you did you see that? Um... Paramedic up in is it up in Lakes where he's got like that? They've got these flying flying paramedics so they can reach the people who are stuck at, at top of the hills and stuff really quickly. And they like wear this suit where they've got like um, have you seen it? No, no, you like Google it. They've got like um, they wear like these things on the hand like jet jet powered things like a jet like a jetpack. Yeah, wow. and they can get up mountains really quick and it's like absolutely mental. <laughs> what they can do imagine that i mean yeah i mean that, that, that's something i didn't really touch upon but as as an industry as a whole is it do you see a lot of kind of innovation and change in in that regard yeah yeah there, there is i mean ev- everything from your from your ppe you know from when i started everything's just improving all the time mm. um which just so for example when you're wearing your breathing apparatus you have someone who monitors so you have a tally on on it and and it, it you plug it into a board which is called an edge control board and that when i first started it was all manually done by the person in charge of the board so they'd work out how much air you've got and then how long you've got in the incident and before you need to come out so you don't run out of air and now that's electronic so you plug it into board and it basically tells you how long you've got how long you've been in and it, it just everything's a lot safer wow. you know over over the the years there have been people going into incidents running out of there and, and dying yeah. so just just everything is gearing towards just being safer for us really and if it's safe for us then obviously we can do a better job thermal image cameras which we have which you know they didn't used to have you go into a, a smoky room you look through your camera and it and it shows you how hot some is if it's hot it'll show it'll glow up red if there's a casualty in there, it can show it on screen. So it just makes everything a, a lot easier. Wow, that's incredible. For, for us, yeah. And it's very, it's almost, um, it just happens very quietly, doesn't it? Which is almost yeah. a shame in a way because, you know, that stuff should be really celebrated. And I mean, yeah, I guess it's the kind of thing if you know about it, you know about it. And if not, you just get on with it. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Well, yeah. yeah, God, I mean, well, I guess it illustrates the whole necessity as a mother of invention, doesn't it? Of course it does, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's always some, you know. God, I don't think we'll be like in ten years' time or twenty years' time. Just everything's just improving all the time. Yeah, which yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, is good. Yeah, no, I'd be fascinated to see where it where it moves. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's been brilliant, mate. I think uh, I think jobs are good in there. Well, I hope it helps. I hope it made sense because sometimes when I ramble, I, t- I, t- I think to myself, I don't tend to make sense, and I'll just yeah. sort of. I'll just go, you know, I'll just talk and I'll talk and I'll talk and not actually say, oh, do you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I think, I've, ta- yeah. I've, ta- I've talked for 10 minutes and not actually made any point at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you made um, total sense. Uh, yeah, you know, you painted a really good picture of it. And I think um, from, you know, from the tragic to the ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. All in a day's work. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, keep on doing your brilliant work, bud. And, uh, yeah, and you too, mate. You too. Yeah, thanks for your time. Good to catch no up. No problem. Thank you so much to Joe Brady for taking the time to chat. What an amazing insight to a job that admittedly now I realise I knew so little about. 
and it's not that I didn't respect the role I very much did like any kind of public sector work but I had no idea animal rescue cutting things off sensitive parts of the body um, my word and I mean when you think about pressure as sort of designers like to um, we like to complain don't we about our deadlines and our clients and, our dem and the demands and everything else but there's pressure and then there's real pressure like that saving lives with very limited knowledge of what you're going to be facing when you get to an accident site or a, a blaze or a cattle tree <laughs> um, I, I love that I thought it was fantastic and I hope you don't mind the sidestep into something a little outside of our arty world but I um, I get a real buzz out of talking to people and exploring creativity way beyond what we do because I think it really does feed what we do in a really vital way um, so I don't have a lot more to add I just thought that was incredible and I just think it's uh, a very undervalued profession I know we all kind of like you know we like to applaud our workers and everything else you know police officers and NHS workers and firefighters but it just when you sit down and talk to these people and you understand the stress they're under and what they have to work with and how you know as we mentioned at the start public sector is so criminally stretched it's beggar's belief isn't it that this stuff is not put on a massive pedestal in our society i think it's really wrong on that level i honestly do but talk about belonging and camaraderie and personal belonging and worth to society it doesn't get much better let's be right so thank you for listening thank you to joe again thank you to the founding sponsor of the show illustrationx.com we are Illustration X on social media. Go and check out all their wonderful animators and painters and sketch artists and um, uh, gift makers and people doing set design. They've got a real, real broad range of talent on there. And you can go and see now with their portfolios. They actually, they've recently added a, a lovely feature, which I love for my own work, where you can choose whether you view one big image at a time, a window of four, two, six, eight. It's brilliant. It's a really nice tool. And uh, they've all got a whole animation TV section well worth checking out if you are uh, somebody who works in the field of motion graphics. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. Thank you. Hit me up at Ben Talon on social media or at Ben Talon Pod. I'll be checking both channels. Have a brilliant week. We've got Kerry Lyons, creative coach, coming up on the show. And I'm going to be talking to William Connolly, a painter. Um, and we're going to be talking exclusively about playing out and soft skills that we learn from recreation and how they can be applied in our crazy industry cheers guys have an awesome week and i'll chat to you soon